What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 167 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by the one and only Dave. That's right, folks. He's the only Dave that matters. What's up? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, not a whole lot super, super special. But you know, there was a TV show back in the day called Kids in the Hall. Oh, gosh. Wow, that's a pull, Dave. I'm impressed. Well, what reminded me of that is, is they had a sketch called These Are the Daves I Know. <laughs> this is not the first time you brought this up on the show. Oh, okay. No, but I, I, right. I genuinely think it was probably like episode like seven or 13. eight. <laughs> These are the Daves. I don't even remember how it goes, but you saying that. Brings back a very yes. vague memory of us having this conversation. Oh, I don't That's know, about funny. five years ago. <laughs> but yeah, so that... that uh, I do you, believe on that episode, you said, though, you sang the song. So if you wanted to give a reprise, <laughs> I would not be no, offended. No, okay. I won't do that. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll let our uh, intrepid and curious listeners dive back into the uh, back catalog and see if they can find Dave singing the These Are the Days I Know song <laughs> from Kids in the Hall. But yeah... So I'm not the only Dave. There are many Daves. This is true. Dave Letterman, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and what's always so funny is when, like, because I always refer to myself as Dave. But then anything that I write, I always write David. Mm. And if I go somewhere and they're like, and what's the name with the order? I'll say David. And it's really funny because people get really bent out of shape about the fact that like, I'm okay with both. Like, it's kind of this whole, like, you just said your name was David. I'm like, yeah, my name is David. But we all call you Dave. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, which is it? Is it Dave or David? Which do you want to go by? I'm okay with both. <laughs> so, anyway. I mean, even my family got kind of weird about it. Because, you know, growing up, I was David, and then as an adult, I be, kind of became Dave, and then... Oh, so Dave was a later-in-life choice. Well, it was my, my best friend in high school referred to me as Dave. Uh-huh. And so, kind of since high school, yeah. Interesting, because... been... My, my birth name is Cameron. Mm-hmm. But I've been Cam since the day I had a choice. <laughs> Um, but now that I'm an adult, I do the same thing on the phone. If I'm calling, if I'm calling, you know, someone's support line or from ordering food or from what's the name? Cameron. Because when I say Cam, they're like, Kim. Yeah. yeah. Like, apparently, I don't enunciate very clearly. And, <laughs> and just like Dave and Cam, it's like a soft ending. But David and Cameron is like, oh, OK, that's the end of the word. I recognize this. Yes. Um, but the only person that calls me Cameron is my mom, and it's only when she's pissed. Like, the only <laughs> time I get called Cameron by anybody is when my mom is mad at me. And I'm a 33-year-old man who lives two <laughs> states away, so it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but this brings up an interesting point that might help us, I think, pivot more towards what we want to talk about today is the, the author name, right? C.S. Lewis, N.T. Wright, Timothy Keller, even though he's always referred to as Tim Keller in, in you know, everyday parlance, right? Mm -hmm. So if you wrote a book, would you be David Hogue or would you be Dave Hogue? What would be the name on the if book? If I wrote a book, 
which remember also like four and a half years ago we were going to do and that never happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Um, you know, I, I think I would probably go with Dave. Uh, partly because it's the, it's one syllable for both. So it'd be Dave Hogue, you know, it's a single syllable. So, so it, the author, the professional book writer would be Dave Hogue. Dave Hogue, yeah. Kind of like Rob Lowe, you know, the single syllable. <laughs> well, you're less of a creep than he is, so that helps. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he, he, he kind of got his act together. Kind of. After some real shady, real, <laughs> real, real shady stuff, Dave. Yeah. I don't know why that came to my mind. It's but. amazing what people are willing to forget. Oh, yeah. I, I think if, especially like if I were to write anything like theological or, or theology or philosophy based, mm -hmm. I, I feel like Cameron. I would have to be Cameron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you picked up a book and it was like, you know, um, uh, a book on, um, like we were originally going to do the Sermon on the Mount by a guy named Cam Brennan. You'd be like, yeah, that's probably <laughs> worth two bucks. Oh, but Cameron Brennan, that's at least worth nine ninety nine. Yes. But it, it, it just, I mean, this is obviously a total tangent that we're on, but I just, I find it funny that like, you know, you've got C.S. Lewis and, you know, N.T. Wright and Timothy Keller and, you know, uh, D.A. Carson and all like the very like academic scholarly stuff. And it's like, I'm pretty sure if I was just hanging out with Tim Keller, it would just be like, hey, Tim, want to go grab a coffee? And it would just be me talking to a guy. And, uh -huh. and so part of me wants to push against that. And like, if I were to write a book, you'd be like, oh, I'm Cam Brennan. I'm just a guy, you know? But there's also like the home. Anyways, a stupid conversation. So thank you for indulging me. But <laughs> it, it's, no, it's just it, it's interesting interesting to think about because it really is about how you want to portray yourself mm -hmm. and what sort of do I want to put the formal foot forward and kind of embrace the academia and the scholarship, or do I want to be relatable and be just a guy? Right? It's it's just very, it's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was, um, that's gotta be top five most bizarre intros to the show we've ever had. <laughs> no, I think, I don't think that's. And I five. like it. I'm, I'm here for it, Dave. I'm here for <laughs> new and exciting ways to get into the podcast, but we're here. It's episode 167. And we, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Dave, we are, we are like, we're finishing James today. We are. Over five and a half years into this podcast, and we're finally finishing our third book of the Bible. That's crazy. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and even in that, we started like at Matthew 4, didn't we? Yeah, we started at the very end like of Matthew 4. Do... Yeah. We didn't even do the first three and seven-eighths <laughs> chapters. We did, we did the uh, Jesus in the desert and then right into the Sermon on the Mount. And then went through Matthew. We did a couple, I think we did like five or six episodes of sort of like topical stuff. 
random. And then we did Romans because we're gluttons for punishment. And then we went from <laughs> Romans right into James. Should we uh, should we announce now what we're going to do next, or should we wait till the end of the show, Dave, and build a little bit of suspense? Uh, I guess we have to build suspense. Yeah, I think now that I caught and called it out, we don't really have a choice. <laughs> so I suppose yeah. I suppose the clever listener could fast forward to the end to find out, and then come back to where we are now. But don't do that. Come along with a ride for come along for the ride with us. Oh, I ruined it. I can't talk. Anyways, we're at the end of James, and we should probably get to that so that we can reveal to the listeners where we will be headed next. Sounds good. So, we are at the end of James chapter 5, and I believe we're doing verses 13 through the end, which would be verse 20. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven, heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the, wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know what let him know that whoever brings him back a sinner from the wandering will save his whole save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. This seems like a lot of parting wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. James has gone you know, pretty in depth on a lot of different subjects that we've covered over the previous episodes. But this, this seems like his list of like, okay, I know I'm coming to the end. What, what else do I just want to like, like sort of rapid fire. It's like the lightning Mm -hmm. round at the end of any game show. Right. Um, (laughs) so here's the image I just got. Steve Harvey reading. Does anyone (laughs) among you suffering? Let him pray. Oh, (laughs) I have a terrible Steve Harvey impression, so I'm not even going to try it. But, like, the questions here, is anyone among you suffering? Imagine that as Steve Harvey, and then the response be the Family Feud contestant of the lightning yeah. round at the end. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing! Like, <laughs> and again, I this is where I wish that. I had a good Steve Harvey impersonation, but I do not. If anything, I have a bad impersonation of Kenan Thompson doing a very good impersonation of Steve Harvey on SNL. Where I was in the back combing my mustache, which is a terrible version of Keenan's really good. Anyways, yeah, exactly. That's how bad it is because I have to explain it. Then you're like, oh, okay, I could see how maybe potentially that might kind of be an impersonation. That's how bad it was. Anyways, wow. Uh, so again, it just seems like parting wisdom. What 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 else does James just really want to get across? Right? If you're suffering. Mm-hmm. 
pray. That seems like a given, right? If you're cheerful, let that person sing praise. Okay, great. So if, if things are going bad, pray. If things are going good, praise God. Either way, you're connecting with God. If you're circum- regardless of your circumstance, good or bad, the, the thing that James tells us to do is to connect with God in different ways, but the goal is to connect with God, mm-hmm. either via prayer or praise. Now, this next part is the part that these parts of the Bible always um, I have conflicting feelings about due to mm-hmm. my personal circumstances. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it may have been a while. My mom has multiple sclerosis. She has been diagnosed since I was in seventh grade, which would have been the 98-99 school year. So 21, 21 and a half years she's been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. She has been prayed for. She has consistently been prayed for. She has done everything the doctors have told her to do. She's taken experimental medicine. She's changed her diet. Like, I'm talking like laid hands on the whole nine yards. She is currently and has for the last 11 years been wheelchair bound. She is continually losing motor functions in her body to the point that essentially the only motor functions she has left are control of her facial muscles and control of her left hand. Her right hand is essentially at this point a glorified fist with a little bit of movement depending on how good the day is. Other than that, she has no control over her body. And when I read things like this and in other parts of the Bible, it is very frustrating because this makes it seem like, well, if someone is sick and you pray for them, they'll get better. Bada boom, bada bing, Bob's your uncle, mom's no longer sick, mom can walk around and be herself again and not be mentally and emotionally and spiritually trapped inside of a body that is rebelling against her and literally destroying itself. Because like the thing with MS is your immune system is so overactive and so aggressive that your own immune system eats the myelin sheathing on your nerves. And when it eats that sheathing away, your nerves fry and you can't use them anymore. That's why she has no motor control, because her body is literally eating itself and preventing itself from functioning in the way it was designed to do. Um, and it's super, super hard. Because here's a very, very capable, very intelligent, very competent, very creative person who is trapped inside a body that can do nothing except barely feed herself. And so I read passages like this and I get really mad Mm -hmm. because if it was this simple, then she wouldn't have had to suffer for the last 20 years. 
And it's not just her. It's other people too. But this is my personal connection, right? Right. Is my mom's disease. And the havoc that it's wrecked or brought on her family. Her relationship with my dad. Her relationship with her children. Her relationship with her friends. Her relationship with God. And I read, oh, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of the faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. I was like, well, no, that hasn't happened. The effort has been there, but the result hasn't been. And I don't have a good reason why. Other than, this is what God wants. Which is a completely legitimate reason. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make any of us happy. And that's not necessary. But it, it, it's, it, I love James for his, his terseness, and for his candor, and for his brevity. But this is one of the points where I think... Maybe he was a little too brief. Because based on what James said, God should have healed my mom 20 years ago. But that's not the case. And there are other places in Scripture that expound on this idea further that are less frustrating for me. But, anyways... Yeah, this is this is just one of those sticking points in the Bible where I'm like, I want to be like Jacob and wrestle God on this, which is stupid because mm-hmm. he's going to win, and I don't want a bad hip for the rest of my life. But I'm just trying to be honest and transparent with what this brings out of me when I read something like this. And for the record, Dave, I don't expect you to have the answer here. I just, I'm trying to, you know... Yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend to have the answer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's an element of I, I, I would agree with you. Um, because I think the other implication is, is that if you're not healed, then you don't have enough faith. And, uh, uh, you know... I think there's plenty of examples of that being true. Like, I don't think it's, it's just your mom. I think there's many, many, like, why does, you know, why does, why do people not get better? Why do they not? Um, so, yeah, I mean. Well, and I think the, the, well, you don't have enough faith argument is often made by people that want to control you. Or make you feel less than. Sure. Right? Like, it's the, that is that is the key to, you know, the engine that has used religion to oppress people for centuries, right? Oh, well, if you just believed more. And, and what, what that does is that puts the salvation or the healing on the believer and takes it away from God. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I just have to believe a certain amount, then I can achieve my own healing. And we know based on what Scripture says, that's garbage. That's not true at all, right? Um, and so, again, that's where it comes down to, 
either God is going to heal my mom or he's not. Right. And that's his decision. And that's, that's where like, I have to lay my head at the end of the day is like, God is either going to choose to do something miraculous by healing my mom, or he's going to choose to do something different by not healing her. And that doesn't mean that by not healing her, he's doing something wrong. It just means that his intentions with her life and how she is impacting people and, and how the people around her are going to, is, is going to be different than if he chose to heal her. Because, like, legitimately right now, if my mom was to wake up tomorrow healed of her MS, it would, it would be national news because it does not happen. Where a woman who, can't, who has not walked under her own power in over a decade, who has consistently lost motor functionality for the last decade, wakes mm-hmm. up and is normal, right? Or back, normal is such a taboo word now, but is back to the way she was before. That would be, she would be on every morning. She would be on Ellen. She'd be on Oprah. She'd be on The View. She'd be on Good Morning America. She'd be on Dr. Oz. Like all of that, right? Because it doesn't happen. And, you know, I have to, and not that I want my mom to be in any of those shows because holy crap, that would be so <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, but, like, I just, I have to come to grips with. She has been prayed for. She has been lifted up. She has done all of the medical things. And, and at this point, God has chosen for this to be her reality. And we have to live with that. And I think part of that is learning to trust God in circumstances that we cannot understand. That even though my mom is sick, chronically so, and she will not, aside from his intervention, ever get better, we have to trust him anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's, on a good day, hard. Mm-hmm. And on a bad day, maddening. And it's not like my mom is perfect. You know, she's, <laughs> she's not Jesus. Right. And anyways, I, I, I did not mean to spend 10 minutes on this, but <laughs> it's, it, I just get frustrated when it is made to be so formulaic like it is in this verse. Do this, do that, person's healed. Oh, and right. if they're a sinner, their sins will be forgiven. Like, I know my mom's sins are forgiven. I know that. She knows that. She still has MS. Yep. So it's, I just, I wish that in this last, you know, sprint of checking things off the list or getting his across that James would have spent a little more time here like he did on the other stuff. Like if this had been in chapter two or three and he had had, you know, five minutes to work this out, this would be a totally different conversation. But he just throws it in here at the end, and it's, it's very frustrating. Yes. That's all. I don't, we, we, we can move on. I don't, I don't want to continue to beat that, that horse. 
So it says, therefore, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, great. Be honest with each other, rely on each other, depend on each other, use each other for accountability, build each other up. Great. Confess your sins, pray for another, be in relationship. 100% agree. The prayer of a righteous person has great power uh, as it is working. And then as an example, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, or just a little shy of how long my child has actually been alive, it did not rain on the earth, which is terrifying. Because it, it seems like he's even actually here backing up what he's talking about on the healing thing. If you pray fervently enough, it won't rain for three and a half years. If you pray fervently enough, Cam, your mom will be healed. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we haven't been praying fervently enough, and that goes back to your point earlier. I mean, there's, there's just part of me that, like, I, I can't think of, like, when I look at Scripture— and I think of Jesus being here on earth. I can't think of a time where he refused to heal somebody. Right? Like, um, anybody no, that... there's, there's times in the gospel where he leaves the crowd. Like, he heals a bunch of people, and then there's still hundreds of people left, and he just pieces out. All right. So he does, I mean, it's not like someone comes up to him and says, like, heal my disease, and he goes, no. But it is... He spends all night healing people, and then morning comes, and he moves to the next town. And everyone he didn't heal remains unhealed. Hmm. Okay. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. I, I've, I've, I've had 20 years to think about this, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I, and I, it, this is probably one of my just bigger frustrations. And I'd go, is it me? Is it us? Is it? You know, because it does just feel like sometimes there is this discrepancy between what you read in Scripture and what we really experience. Um, and, I, you know, I, I do hear stories of what is going on in places like China and Iran. And, you know, I just, like, is there a difference in terms of what they're experiencing and what we experience? I think fundamentally there has to be because of the circumstances under which their faith puts them at fatal risk. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I, I cannot, I cannot fathom that the depth of faith it requires to be a Christian in a place like Iran or China or North Korea right now is remotely as shallow as what it takes to be Christian where you and I live. Because if it was, they wouldn't be. Right. So kind of implicit in that, though, then, is... Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. I, so, I think in a lot of things, we are not nearly as deep or convicted as perhaps we would like to think we are. Like I had, I had this conversation um, earlier today with a couple of coworkers and we were talking about differences in people and why, why we, you know, 
uh, you know, don't want to talk to him. And the example was, was one of the guys was at his kid's soccer game and some Mormons came up to try and talk and he like peaced out cause he didn't want to have, sure. you know, but, but the general idea was why do we not associate like Jesus did with the people that are unlike us? And I think the, the common answer is like, well, we have nothing in common or whatever. But I think the, the, the truer answer is, is we have way more in common with the people that we don't want to be like than we want to admit, right? Whether that's a race thing or a socioeconomic thing or, or an education thing or a location thing, whatever. Like, we don't want to admit how much we do have in common with the people that we think we're better than. And by admitting that, we reveal so much about our nature and about our insufficiency. And um, I think... I had a point with all of that, and now I'm lost <laughs> in, in this sea of, of, of thought. But I, I guess my point is, like, I don't, just because my mom and my dad and my family is, you know, upper middle class and white in America, doesn't mean that our prayers for healing for my mom or half-assed. Even though the comfort in which we live compared to the Christian in Iran or North Korea or China or, you know, uh, Muslim Africa or, you know, agnostic United States would suggest, right? Like, uh, do we have it easy? Absolutely. Is our faith... um? I mean, it's becoming less and less cultural, which honestly I think is a blessing in disguise. Sure. I'm actually really excited for the next 30 years in America because I think the church is finally going to get away from this concept of like, we need to be relevant. No, you don't. Jesus was never relevant. Jesus was always countercultural. And the fact that we feel like we have to make Jesus relevant further proves that we, we're not telling people about the real Jesus. We're trying right. to have light shows at church with our music. And we're trying to put on a concert and we're trying to put on a TED talk and that sort of, that's it's, it's BS and I don't have time for it. And mm -hmm. so any, like the, this whole, this whole, I'm, I'm now getting on a whole other tangent, but I, I, I guess it is true. Yes. What you said, what, what I said and, and the sort of unspoken agreement we came to there a few minutes ago of, well, obviously the, the depth of faith it requires to be a follower of Jesus in a place where it could cost you your life is far more significant than it does where you and I live right now. Right. But I do not think that mitigates the amount of prayer and the depth of prayer and the cries and the weeping that have gone into praying for my mom by mm -hmm. her, by our family and by our friends. And I don't know. I mean, who's to say if we were in China, that she would have been healed, right? Or wouldn't, like, this, I mean, that's, I don't, playing what if is dumb, right? But, but, I, but I will agree for sure on a day-to-day -day basis, what I have to do versus what someone over there has to do is night and day. Mm -hmm. And they do it where the downside is 
their life, they're kicked out of the country, they're disconnected from their family and loved ones, like tangible bad stuff. Here, someone laughs at me. Oh, you're an idiot. You believe God exists? Wow, you must be stupid. All right, bro. Go enjoy, I don't know, whatever it is you're about (laughs) to go do. You know what I mean? And and I don't think I'm making sense at this point, but I guess I'm I guess I'm agreeing with you about the different nature of faith in different locations. But I don't think that that is indicative of how much, how often, and how deep the prayers have been for my mom. Mm -hmm. I think, if anything, my mom's condition has, in those specific moments, caused people to check their, you know, comfort, or to use a, you know, a, a modern term, privilege and get in the face of God and be like, what's going on, dude? Mm-hmm. But that is, that is a small sliver of the rest of our lives, right? But yeah, apparently Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, <laughs> and it rained. So good for him, I guess. And that's, that, to me, is a situation where I don't think he just decided that he needed to pray that way. Like, I really don't think when it comes to Elijah, I don't think that was a situation where that's what he wanted. And so he prayed it. Like, I truly think that's a situation where Elijah was like, this is what God is telling me to do. And so I'm going to pray this. And then, you know, God is glorified and it's, and Elijah is partnering with God in this situation. And boy, that probably brings up a whole nother, you know, what is our prayer and what is God's prayer and that sort of thing. But uh, like, I look at that particular story and I think this was Elijah hearing from God of, I need to pray for this Uh versus Elijah going, Oh, I really think it shouldn't rain for the next three plus years. And that'll point everybody. That's pretty arbitrary, right? Yeah. I mean that, like I said, that opens a whole nother (laughs) discussion, but, um, yeah, I, I, like you said, I don't think there was just a sense of him just choosing one day to do it and it stopped raining. And then I do think he was in step and hearing from God and that's where all that came from. So, yeah, I would agree. So he closes out with these last two verses. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. Which I think is just a general encouragement, right? Like, it doesn't matter what that person's up to. God is a big God. God wants to save. God wants to forgive. And, and, and this is something that's kind of um, blowing my mind right now, really, which is, I think I'm a bit embarrassed to admit this as a 33-year-old who's been in church his whole life. Forgiveness was not the point. Forgiveness was part of the means to the actual end, and the actual end is that God adopts us as his son or his daughter, right? Like, the, the illusion or the illustration is, okay, so, you know, the king pardons you. Okay, great, now what do you do? Your crime has been pardoned, so what? Now, now you're not in jail. What do you do with your life? 
okay, well, the king pardons you and uh, gives you a job in the government. Okay, well, now you have a pardon, and now you have a job. But why and for what end? But as the Bible says, God pardons us and then welcomes us into his family and makes us a son and a daughter, which means we share in the inheritance of the kingdom, which means we have someone who is responsible for us, which means we are, have someone who we are responsible to, which means that we have brothers and sisters, which means that we have a place to belong. And is, is forgiveness important? Absolutely. It's super important, right? Like Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, comma, so that we could be part of God's family and enjoy him forever, right? And so much of my um, education and experience in church has been, Jesus died so that we could be forgiven, period. And that's where the story ends. Okay, well, I'm forgiven, but I don't have really anything to do with that forgiveness, and I don't really know what I should do after it, right? So psychologically, like, I'm forgiven, but I'm just kind of left twiddling my thumbs, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not then given a new purpose. But if we view forgiveness, as it says here, right? Whoever brings a sinner back from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover him. Like, yes. But God doesn't stop at the forgiveness. There's the forgiveness, comma, and now you have a new mission. And your new mission is to be part of this family and to carry on the mission of this family and to share in the inheritance of this family and to usher this kingdom. And like, all of a sudden we're given purpose and we're given belonging and we're given relationship and we're given, you know, knowledge of what it is to be known and to know, which is everything that we want as human beings. Mm -hmm. We want to be known. We want to be in relationship. We want companionship. We want purpose. We want a reason to wake up in the morning and a reason to go to bed at night without feeling depressed or anxious or lonely. Right. And the fact that God knows that about us and said, aha, I will solve the problem that I have, and I will solve the problem that you have. The problem I have is I cannot be in the presence of sin, and y'all are a bunch of sinners. (laughs) I will solve that problem. Jesus will cover that problem at my own expense. At my own expense, I will cover that problem. I will solve it. And then after I solve that problem, I will solve your problem by giving you purpose, by giving you mission, by giving you belonging, by giving you relationship that I've enjoyed for eternity. And we can be one big family pushing towards the same goal. And I got to tell you, Dave, that is like seriously shaking my brain up. Right. Because so everything, everything, I grew up in the 90s in the evangelical, evangelical, you know, mega church movement, whatever, right? Like, oh, you know. Seeker friendly and concert this and uh, charismatic speaker that and Jesus forgives sins and Jesus and like I don't want to belittle that because that is obviously a huge part of the whole deal, right? But when you make the middle the end, you leave off so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to think of a good example, like in a movie. Um, And, and I'm failing because I didn't think about it. But like, <laughs> just like imagine your favorite movie ending. But it ends at the climax of the story and not with the fall, all the resolution, right? Right. You don't like, okay, 
great. They got to Mordor and the movie ends. Well, I mean, I mean, like, did, did they get rid of the one ring and did Sauron die? And did they get back to the, to the Shire and did Samwise marry that bartender girl, Rosie, that he was really into? <laughs> like, I need to know these things. And that's like an oversimplification, but this concept of like forgiveness is so important, but it is not the whole reason Jesus died. It is not the only reason Jesus died. It's not the reason that he rose from the dead. It's not the reason that the church exists. And it's not the reason that God is changing people in places like China and North Korea and Iran and all these other countries all over the world. It's not, forgiveness is not the reason. It is part of it, but it is not the, the, the reason is that God could adopt us while we were still his enemies. Not even while we were good people, not even when we deserved it, or even maybe kind of he saw the potential in us. When Jesus died for the ungodly while we were still his enemies mm-hmm. so that God could turn around and forgive us and also say, oh, and by the way, legally, now I have adopted you and what is mine is yours. Crazy. Like, come on. <laughs> And the fact that I have spent so much of my life focused on the forgiveness and the oh, shame, yeah, yeah. And the shame and the guilt I feel for even being forgiven based on what I've done, and and letting that dictate how I feel about myself, how I feel about God, how I feel about others, and not and not even broaching the subject of, yeah, God forgave me. But he did that for a purpose, and that purpose was so that he could call me son, that he could take me from hostility into family, and that I could be part of his family and his purpose and his mission, and I could inherit his kingdom by no measure of my own work, simply by his grace and his willingness to forgive and to show mercy and grace. That, I'm like, if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. <laughs> you know, so even in the, in the midst of all of the crap going on in my own life, you know, with, right. with what used to be my marriage, with what used to be my healthy mom, with all of the stuff that I'm trying to navigate personally, not only does God forgive my sin and the sins of those around me, he has, he has done the work to bring me into his family so that I can have a place to belong, I can have a place to grow, I can have a place to learn, and then I can have a place for purpose. And I just, Dave, it's, it's really like... It is, it is changing my, my outlook on so much stuff because I'm not caught up on the I don't deserve the forgiveness part, which is true. I don't deserve it. Nope. And I'm past that now, and I'm just blown away by, like, really? Really? You want to adopt me? <laughs> Like, are you sure? Um, and I, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's kicking my butt in a good way, I think. 
I think it's breaking down a lot of my self-protective walls that I've had with God. Whew. All right, I'm not going to cry. I'm good. <laughs> Crying's fine, people. I just, I just don't want to make you listen to it. That's all. <laughs> Crying is okay. Any other thoughts, man? Sorry. I, 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 I think you've said it all. I totally like grabbed that one by the horns and ran with it. I'm sorry for lecturing. No, I, I have nothing to add. I think it was beautiful. <laughs> no, I think it was beautiful. I really do. So. Cool. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here for episode 167. Then um, show notes are going to be in the place they've been for the last 166 episodes, which is to say in your podcast uh, app of choice. Um, if you're at the website, you've already figured this out, but you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 167 if you want um, the web links. Otherwise, again, like I said, in your podcast app of choice, swipe around, up, down, left and right, you're going to find them. Um, there's opportunities for you to get in touch with us. If you want to provide feedback, ask questions, provide some pushback, uh, you can do that, um, either, uh, via Twitter email, or we have a phone number where you can leave a voicemail. Um, and if you do that, we'll play it on the show. Uh, as long as you don't, you know, I don't know, say anything too horrendous. Um, that's it. Yep. Uh, anyways, appreciate you and your willingness to give us about 48 minutes of your life um, today, whenever you may be listening to this. So um, hope that the conversation was beneficial um, and, you know, maybe caused you to think a little bit. And again, if you have feedback, um, positive or negative, please let us know. We want to, we love making this show. We're going to do it. But if we could, if, if we could make it a more engaging experience for you we would uh like to know how we can do that so that's that this is the end uh david um auf wiedersehen till next time ta-ta bye